open our Holy Bibles, we will be reading from Ephesians 4, page 1821 in your Pew Bibles. Unity in the Body of Christ. As a prisoner for the Lord, then I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. There is one body and one Spirit, just as you were called to one hope when you were called. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all, through all, and in all. But to each one of us, grace has been given as Christ apportioned it. This is why it says, when he ascended on high, he led captives in his train and gave gifts to men. What does he ascended mean, except that he also descended to the lower earthly regions? He who descended is the very one who ascended higher than all the heavens in order to fill the whole universe. It was he who gave some to be apostles, some to be prophets, some to be evangelists, and some to be pastors and teachers, to prepare God's people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. Then we will no longer be infants tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of men in their deceitful scheming. Instead, speak the truth in love. We will in all things grow up into him who is the head, that is, Christ. From him the whole body joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. The very words of God. Let us pray as we prepare to uh, hear God's word proclaimed. Lord, it has been so good to gather in your house today to worship you in spirit and in truth and to receive your grace through your word, to experience the fellowship of the saints. And now we long to hear a word from you. So Lord, would you speak and would you help us to listen and to obey? In Jesus' name, amen. I'd like to thank Terry for that very engaging uh, children's message. I had a, a young boy f- just pumping his fist. He was so excited <laughs> to build Lego in the sanctuary. And I think what a wonderful uh, way to get us started as we reflect on this idea of how God builds up his church. So I'm thinking of that children's message. I'm also thinking today of... Uh, your upcoming mission trip to Mexico. 
I wonder how many of you have gone to Mexico on that mission trip. If you're brave enough, you can put up your hand. Good. Oh, that. Wow. And I know you're planning to do another mission trip to Mexico, and I know that you are planning to build a house for some needy Mexican family, and I want to commend you for that. I want to thank you also for enfolding my daughter, one of my daughters in that ministry as well. And uh, we look forward to hearing how God uses you to build that house. Now, I'm not a builder. Uh, Terry like, maybe likes to build with wood. I'm not really that good at that, but I do love building with words. And maybe I love working with my hands in the garden and um, working on my, my old jalopies and all that kind of stuff, my car, old cars, changing oil, etc. But um, I'm pretty sure, if I'm, if I'm getting this right, I'm pretty sure that when you start building something, you start from the ground up. You lay a foundation. I'm seeing some nods. And I think what, happened, what Paul is doing in this passage is he is laying a healthy foundation. He's laying a solid foundation uh, for us to build on. And as we, as we acknowledge that, we recognize first and foremost that God himself builds the church. He lays the foundation. But happily, he allows us to join him in that building process. So how does that work? How does God build his church, and how does he use us to help build it? If I could summarize this passage today, I think I would say something like this. God is building up his church, and happily he uses us in the building process as we love and serve each other out of the grace that God gives us through Christ. Let me read that again. I think, I think this is a, a reasonable summary of the, of the text today. God is building up his church, and happily he uses us in the building process as we love and serve each other out of the grace that God gives us through Christ. Now, as we come to the sanctuary again, uh, we see we have people leading worship. Uh, we have, a, you know, a, a, well, Terry helped us. He, we listed a number of ways, a number of people that are involved in this building process. I mean, in, in any healthy church, there are so many people who are part of, of the ministry of the church, and it's through those people that God builds up the church. But as we acknowledge that, and, I, and I, as I see all of you, uh, a number of you serving in a variety of ways, I see signs of a healthy church, and I'm encouraged. I want to I let you know that. Like Bethel is a, is a wonderful, healthy church. But as we look around at maybe our local churches, and as we look around at the larger church of Jesus Christ in the world, especially in the Western world, we see signs of crumbling. Uh, I think we see there's, if we picture the building, there's some cracks in it. And there's maybe the roof is leaking, or maybe the foundation is becoming a bit weak. And we lament that. But, uh, and we, we see signs of church decline in the Western world, and, and that really gives us pause. And in fact, maybe you're seeing decline in your church in one way or another, and it gives you pause as well, and maybe creates a bit of anxiety in the congregation. So I think that's why it's so important that we review the doctrine of the church, which is what we're going to do today through Ephesians chapter 4. And this is one of the primary texts, if you will, for the doctrine of the church. And it's, it's helpful for us to review this passage over and over again 
as we seek to kind of get it right, as we seek to learn and grow, to understand what God is doing as he builds up his church, and as we seek to partner in him, with him in that building up process. So how does this work? How does God build up his church, and how does he use us in that building up process? The first thing we, we uh, learn from this passage comes in verses 1 to 6, where Paul says, live a gospel-shaped life. Now, this, this is the gospel piece. Now, at Wolf Creek Community Church, we just uh, reviewed the gospel through Ephesians, this letter, uh, this fall in our fall discipleship series. In fact, I see Mrs. Scolding here. There she is. She heard a few of these messages. Maybe she'll hear a repeat today because she was with us a time or two. Um, but this, Paul's letter to the Ephesians is a wonderful summary of the gospel, especially chapters 1 to 3. And I commend it to you because we need to always be reviewing the basic gospel message. And Paul does a fabulous job explaining it in Ephesians chapters 1 to 3. And uh, that's another reason why I wanted to focus on Ephesians 2 for the renewal or the service of reconciliation today because it gives a summary of that beautiful, pure gospel that Paul preaches in this letter. And this is the context for how God builds the church. The foundation is the gospel. And having heard and received that gospel message, then we go on to live a gospel-shaped life. And Ephesians chapter 4 is, is, if Ephesians chapters 1 to 3 is gospel explanation, Ephesians chapter 4 to 6 is gospel application. And so Paul begins at this point to, to tell us how to live a gospel-shaped life, how to live out the gospel in our life and in the world. And so this is, it's crucial that we understand this, because sometimes we think once we've heard and received the gospel, once we believe that what God has done for us through Christ, his, his life, His teaching, His death and resurrection, that's where it ends. No, that's where it begins. We, we, that's where we just get started. And we need to go on and live a gospel-shaped life for the rest of our lives. And that's what Paul helps us to do. Interesting, um, Paul, when he says, okay, this is how you live a gospel-shaped life. He doesn't start with the huge things that we might think of, like, um, you know, go plant a church, go, build, a, go uh, build something great. No, he starts with our basic Christian character because this is the foundation. We start living out the gospel in small ways that are actually not small at all. It's about building our Christian character, and that's exactly what Paul goes on to do. He gives a a summary of virtues that we're called to practice as we live out the gospel. He says, be humble, gentle, bear with one another in love, seek unity. I find this fascinating that Paul starts with the small stuff, but it's the stuff that really matters. If we're going to have a healthy church, if we're really going to live out the gospel, we start with the small stuff. We start with our character and we work on that and we, we build it up. But interesting, as we think about uh, our theme today of the church and unity in the church, Paul talks about unity. We're called to seek unity as a church. And this is very important to Paul 
And I, I, I forgot how important it was until we, went, we studied Ephesians this fall. He talks about the importance of church unity a few times. It's a very important theme for him. Now, I recently celebrated 10 years as an ordained pastor in the CRC. And I know that's not very long, but it's long for me. It's a long, it's a long but wonderful journey of learning. And I was telling your elders and deacons this morning, preaching, for example, it's a 30-year journey. And maybe longer if, if God gives us the, uh, the, the strength to do it. Uh, it's, it's, but in my short time of being a pastor, there's one thing I've noticed. Every church is divided. It's, it's, it's not good, but it's the way it is. Every church experiences some measure of division. It, it may be over the worship style. It may be over the pastor's preaching or the leadership style of the council or something, some doctrinal issue. There, there is always some division going on in the local and universal church. And this gives us pause, but we don't have to despair because Paul is showing us how to seek unity today. He, he's saying, go and live a gospel-shaped life. Go and receive the gospel message and then live it out. And as we, as we apply these Christian virtues of humility, gentleness, uh, bearing with one another in love, the wonderful thing that happens is we start becoming unified as a body of Christ. We start to accept each other and we realize that we belong. It, it's a beautiful thing. And so if, if you are experiencing some division today in your church, um, start with the small stuff. Start by loving each other. Start by accepting each other and forgiving and showing some humility and gentleness and patience. And watch how God's, God uses uh, the small stuff, which is really the big stuff, uh, to create unity in the body of Christ. Sometimes we wonder if church unity is possible. And then we remember that Jesus is praying for it. Right? John 17. Jesus is praying for it. And so we're called to, to really put our hand to the plow, to really work hard at pursuing unity in the body of Christ. And as we live a gospel-shaped life, as we pursue these Christian virtues, we see how God just starts to unify the body of Christ. And He starts, he starts to make it happen by laying that strong foundation. But that's not the only thing that, uh, Paul call, that the Lord calls us to do through Paul. Uh, he says, so out of gratitude for the gospel now, we've heard the gospel and now we're, we're seeking to live it out. We go on in the next, pass, or in next section, verses 7 to 14, to use our grace gifts to build up the church. So we've received the gospel of grace. We know we're saved by grace through faith in Christ alone. Now what are we called to do? We're called to, do, to pursue Christian virtue. And once we get on that track of learning, of applying the gospel and learning to, to live this gospel-shaped life, then we start to serve. And I, I love how Paul talks about this. He, he, uses, he talks about the grace gifts. God, God putting us to work, using our, giving us gifts and using those gifts to help us build up the body of Christ. Now as we, 
as we see these gifts in the passage, we, we may, it may, they may strike us as a bit interesting. We may be thinking about 1 Corinthians 12 and Romans 12 where Paul talks about spiritual gifts. Uh, but in this passage, Paul talks about gifts as people or offices. We, if Jesus is your Lord, you are given a spiritual gift or gifts. And you are called to use those gifts to build up the body of Christ. And when that happens, we have a, a unified, healthy church. But in this passage, Paul wants to talk about the grace gifts, which are gifts of people. And again, as we look around us and we see how we're serving in the church, we see a number of people or offices at work. The elders and the deacons, the worship leaders, uh, Sunday school teachers, etc., 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 People given a certain office or position or place. And out of that, they serve the church and they build up unity in the body of Christ. So as we think about that, I wonder today, what is your grace gift? Uh, What is your calling in the church? This is a question regarding your spiritual gift, but also uh, how do you now apply that spiritual gift in the church? What is your calling or your grace gift? Uh, And if you don't know that, I would encourage you to talk to uh, an elder or some mentor, an older person or a peer that you trust and is pursuing godliness and and discern that together prayerfully because it's so important that we're all using our grace gift to build up the body of Christ because when we do that, we're living out the gospel, if you like, and we're also building up the unity of Unity in the body of Christ. Now, uh, one way to think about this is to think about coaching. I know there's a few athletes in the crowd because I know some of the students here. I know you love to play. I'm also thinking about the CFL today. And uh, sorry, Wayne, but I cheer for the Saskatchewan Rough Riders (laughs) because I grew up in Saskatchewan, and that's our only team. (laughs) So we all cheer for the Saskatchewan Rough Riders, right? No. Maybe we'll t- come and talk to me after the worship service and I'll, t- I'll try to convert you. Anyway, I'm thinking about the sports today and thinking about coaches. Coach Jones of the Saskatchewan Rough Riders has taken this team that was a little bit hurting the last few years and he's slowly building it up. Now, as general manager too, he brings in the best players he can find and then as coach, he works with those players and he helps them be the best they can be. It's the basic stuff that any coach will do. And uh, it's interesting, as we think about this idea of using our grace gifts to build up the body of Christ, this is where the leaders come in. Leaders of the church, especially pastors, but all of the elders and deacons and the leaders of the church, youth leaders, Sunday school teachers too, you are called now to mentor, mentor others. You're called to help them to kind of be like coaches, and to help them recognize their gifts and then to cultivate those gifts. And so it's a high calling, but it must be done. And so leaders, I encourage you in this regard uh, to make it your mission to really mentor students and to mentor your peers and younger people and to help them find their gifts and abilities, help them to to build up uh, or to recognize their grace gifts and then to find a calling in the church. I'll never forget one of my professors at Calvin Seminary, Professor Dean Deppie, 
saying to us, he was a pastor for many years, he said, when I would go on my pastoral visits, I would ask everyone I, I would meet, what is your calling in the church? What is your ministry? What are you doing? And he said, bottom line, everyone has a ministry in the church. No matter your age or your ability, there's a place for everyone to serve. What does that look like for you? And what does that look like at Bethel Church? How can we all build each other up, mentor each other, so that we can all fulfill our calling in the church using our grace gifts? Because when we do that, God is honored and we, are, we build up the body of Christ and it becomes a beautiful, healthy church. So, so far, as we, as we learn how God builds up his church, we've talked about how Paul says we need to live a gospel-shaped life. That's the foundation. And then we build upon that foundation by using our grace gifts to build up the body of Christ. And then the last thing he talks about here is in verses 14 to 16, speaking the truth in love as we grow up together in Christ. Now, as I was reviewing this message and revising it for you, it struck me that this is really more the benefit or the result. If we're living out the gospel, if we've received God's grace through Christ, if we've actually received the gospel and humbled ourselves before God and we've, we've, we've said, Lord, I'm going to follow you. You are my Lord, I'm going to follow you. I believe that what you did on the cross is real for me. I receive it, I accept it. I receive your call to salvation. Paul is huge on election. In Ephesians chapter 1, he elects us unto salvation. Then um, we start following Jesus. And we follow Jesus the rest of our days as one of his students or apprentices. Then the, the benefit or the result is we will start to speak the truth in love. And now this, you might, as I've thought about this in the past, I've thought about this as like loving correction. Sometimes we need to do that. Parents need to lovingly correct their children, speaking the truth in love. Sometimes elders have to lovingly correct uh, their people, speaking the truth in love. But in the context of Ephesians, I think what Paul is saying here even more is learning how to speak the gospel in love. Like just becoming so um, familiar with and enamored with the gospel that we learn how to speak it in love. I think this is especially um, the challenge of the pastors and elders, but not just them, to become so familiar with the gospel message that we can speak it lovingly. So what, how do we do that? We have to become uh, students of the word. We have to become students of the gospel and just, just soak ourselves in God's word to the point where it becomes second nature to us. But also, as we do that, we have to seek to create a loving uh, gospel culture. And this may be the harder part. Um, ask any teacher here. I know there's some teachers among us. They are trying to create a Christian community in their classroom. Wow, that is a huge challenge. But it is so important that they do that because we know from... Uh, there, some recent work has been done by people like Jamie Smith. Um, some of you will know him, a, a theologian and, and philosopher. There's something exceedingly important about the culture, about um, the, the sort of the attitude and the ethos of the place. So 
a teacher in a Christian school classroom, for example, creating that Christian culture so that the gospel will be caught as well as taught. And this is, the, this is also the challenge for the church. How do we create a gospel culture so that everything we do is, is centered on the gospel message out of God's grace for us given in and through Christ? And then so people, they worship here, they, they serve here, they are served, and they catch the gospel. They hear it proclaimed clearly from the pulpit and through pastoral visits in the Sunday school rooms, classrooms, youth ministry, etc. But not only do they hear it proclaimed, it, they catch it through the culture of the place. Now, I wish I could tell you more how to do that. I think it is, it is the great challenge of leaders to create this gospel culture so that the gospel is not only taught but is caught. But as we seek to do that, uh, there is really good news. As we, as we seek to live out the gospel, uh, having a gospel-shaped life, as we seek to use our grace gifts to build up the body of Christ, as we seek to speak the truth in love, creating that gospel culture, the good news is that Jesus is going before us. He is the head of the church. He's holding that all together. And as we all embrace the gospel, and as we apply it to our lives, Jesus is building up his church as we serve and love each other. So we don't need to despair. Uh, Sometimes we think, well, what is happening to our church? What is happening to the church of Jesus Christ? But we actually don't need to despair because our world belongs to God and the church belongs to God and Jesus is the head of the church. He's doing His work and now He invites us to partner with Him in it. So, what does this mean for us? I'd like to ask a few questions as we just reflect on the implications of this teaching today. First, have you received the gospel? This is the foundation for everything in our life and in the church. We need to hear the gospel proclaimed every Sunday, every day, as we read scripture and as we pray together and encourage each other. We need to hear that good news again. So hear it again from Ephesians chapter 1, where Paul lays the foundation for the gospel. He says, In love He predestined us for adoption to sonship through Jesus Christ in accordance with His pleasure and will to the praise of His glorious grace which He has freely given us in the one He loves. Brothers and sisters in Christ, God calls you to Himself. You are elected unto salvation. He adopts you into His family. This is good news. Receive it again and embrace it for yourself. Second, are you pursuing godliness? Out of gratitude for the gospel, are you living a gospel-shaped life? Once we hear and receive the gospel, that is not the end. That is the beginning. And you're called to live a gospel-shaped life in this world. And so are you doing that? And if not, how will you make some changes today? Start with the small stuff. 
Start by practicing the things that Paul talks about, being patient, humble, gentle, forgiving. Start with the small stuff and and make some steps today. Third, are you serving the church? What is your calling? Are you using your grace gift to serve the church in some way? Bottom line, every believer is a minister. Every believer has a ministry in the church. What is yours? If you don't know, I invite you to talk to a leader today and, and learn, discern God's will for your calling so you can start serving the church of Jesus Christ. And fourth, speaking to the leaders now, speaking to myself too, are you mentoring your people in God's word? Are you really equipping them for the ministry? And I know this is a lofty challenge, but it must be done. And so leaders, I urge you to make this a high priority in your work. When you, uh, through the preaching and teaching of the word, the, son, the, the teaching ministry of the church, but also through pastoral care, equipping and empowering the people for ministry. As you probably know, we recently celebrated the 500th anniversary of the Protestant Reformation. A wonderful milestone uh, for the Church of Jesus Christ, especially for the churches in the Reformed tradition. Oh, we celebrate how God has used the Protestant Reformation uh, to bring about doctrinal and church reforms over the last 500 years. You know, as we look at the, at the, the history of the church, and we see that during the time of the Protestant Reformation in the 16th century, there is a lot of crumbling in the church. The church was in decline. There's a lot of slippage. And happily, God used uh, reformers like Martin Luther and John Calvin and others uh, to bring about doctrinal and spiritual reform in the church, to, to re- review and renew the gospel and to build up the church again. Some are saying that maybe we need another Reformation today, and, and maybe they're right. Maybe we do need a second uh, Protestant Reformation, if you like. But we need not wait for God to send a reformer like Martin Luther to change and grow the church. We have just received a God's will for the church today through Ephesians chapter 4. God is building up his church And he invites us to partner with him in that building up process. Brothers and sisters, we don't have to uh, just kind of cower in the corner or or run for cover or, or cover the wagons, if you like, and protect ourselves. No, Jesus is already working. He's working among us. He always has. He's building up his church. Let us now join him in the good work that he's already doing. Let us receive and embrace the gospel and let us live a gospel shaped life. Let us use our grace gifts to build up the body of Christ so we reach unity and maturity. And let us speak the truth in love as we, as we help build up that church that Jesus Christ is already building. And as we do that, we have this wonderful assurance at the end of the passage that we will grow to become in every respect the mature body of him who is the head, that is Christ. From him, the whole body, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And all God's people say, Amen. Amen. Let us pray.